0: Hi again, everybody. I'm Dan Horde and This is the Bengals Booth Podcast, the Hurtin' for certain edition as the injury ravaged Bengals fall to five and six with a 35 to 20 loss at home to the Cleveland Browns. Coming up, you'll hear radio replays, locker room interviews, and Dave Lappel will join me for postgame analysis. Plus, in this week's fun facts interview, you'll get to know offensive lineman Cordy Glenn, who unfortunately wound up inactive this week with a bad back join the club. All of that is straight ahead, but first, here's a quick reminder that you can have the latest edition of this podcast delivered right to your phone, tablet, or computer by subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean. It's the greatest invention since the library. I walked into my neighborhood branch of the public library this weekend with my 12-year-old son and said to him, how cool is it? that there's a place where we can borrow any book, DVD, or magazine that they have for free. His response? Duh, Dad. Like I said, he's 12. That's an increasingly common response. Now let's get to the game. Since the start of the season, here are some of the Bengals players who have gone on season-ending injured reserve. Tight ends, Tyler Eifert, Tyler Croft, and Mason Schreck. Defensive lineman, Carl Lawson, Ryan Glasgow, Josh Tupo, and Adolphus Washington, and linebacker Preston Brown. Then, there are the guys who don't have season-ending injuries, but had to miss the Cleveland game. A list that included A.J. Green, Drake Kirkpatrick, Nick Vigil, Cordy Glenn, and Josh Malone. If those 13 names were a blur, think of it this way. The Bengals didn't have their best wide receiver, their best tight end, two of their three starting linebackers, one of their top two cornerbacks, and their starting left tackle. To say that injuries are just an excuse is silly. The roster has been decimated. Then there are the Browns, who according to interim head coach Greg Williams, are as healthy as they have been since training camp. They looked it on their opening drive on Sunday, Marching 78 yards on 10 plays to score. They line up in an I-formation backfield. Nick Chubb the deep back. Mayfield gives it to him, and Chubb scores. A rookie quarterback Baker Mayfield was 6-for-6 six six on that drive. Here's his former Oklahoma teammate, Jordan Evans. Do you think he has given that team a confidence they didn't have before?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I just know that's what he brings
0: in any locker room. Um, that's just the kind of player he's always been. That's what he was at OU and then that's just what he brought to Cleveland and obviously you're seeing it. The Bengals answered with a decent drive, but a 54-yard field goal attempt by Randy Bullock was blocked, giving the Browns great field position. Four plays later, Cleveland was in the end zone again. Shotgun snap, Mayfield looking, scanning the field, moving to his left, throws into the end zone, touchdown. Callaway with the catch on the back line of the end zone and with 137 left in the first quarter. The Browns are up by two touchdowns. Boy, I'll tell you, it's a hot knife through butter. There's no question about it. And that hot knife continued to carve up the Bengals as the Browns' third possession went 96 yards. Mayfield catches the shotgun snap, short drop screen, caught at the 10, Najoku to the 5, goes airborne. He is carried toward the goal line, and he scores. Wow. Wow. Unbelievable effort by Njoku. He looked like he was crowd surfing into the end zone. Incredible. It was 21 nothing Cleveland. Here again is Bengals linebacker Jordan Evans. Yeah, That's when we knew it was kind of getting ugly. Um, obviously, we didn't lose no hope. You saw us coming back towards the end, but... Yeah, that's that's when it was just like dang we got to do something right and then came in at halftime time makes some adjustments and just came up short but it got worse before it got better third down and three at the cincinnati 14 yard line shotgun snap blitz coming mayfield lobs one down the sideline it is a catch for a touchdown what a magnificent grab by nick chubb oh. as he pulled it off the helmet of the defender on the play Brandon Wilson and fell on his back into the end zone for the contested catch and the touchdown
2: boy what a tremendous throw I mean Wilson never found the football
0: in the first half Baker Mayfield threw for 245 yards with three touchdowns no interceptions and a passer rating of 152.5 here's the reigning Heisman Trophy winner after the game did the first half to you kind of feel like your days at Oklahoma where everything was clicking at all or no?
3: Um, a little bit. Um, Yeah, we we're, everything seemed to be working, but that's the way we wanted here in Cleveland.
0: The Bengals finally got on the scoreboard with less than a minute to go in the half. Three receivers out to the left for Cincinnati. Now Ross goes in motion to the right. Mixon in the backfield at Dalton's right. Andy back to throw. His pass nice. caught by John Ross for a Bengals touchdown with 32 seconds remaining in the half. The fifth touchdown catch of the year for Ross, 28-7 Browns at the break. Here's safety Jesse Bates on what you have to do when it gets ugly. I think the biggest part is just
1: worrying about your self-control, what you can control, um, and coming together as a team. Um, Unfortunately, it's tough to do that when you're down 28-0, but um, you you just got to play
0: play-by-play. At least things couldn't get any worse, right? Uh... Think again. Dalton waiting for the shotgun snap. Play clock at one. The snap goes sailing over his head. Dalton scrambling to pick it up. And the Browns recover it inside the 10. They scoop up the ball. And it's going to be marked at the 7-yard line. Dalton injured his thumb on the play, went to the locker room, and never returned to the sideline. According to the NFL Network's Ian Rappaport, x-rays were negative and Andy's thumb isn't broken. It's too soon to say how long he'll be out. Two plays after the fumble... Mayfield established a new career high with his fourth touchdown pass. Second and goal from the sixth, Landry goes in motion. Baker Mayfield will drop back to throw, looking left, looks back to the right, runs to the right, throws into the back of the end zone, a leaping catch by Darren Fells on the back line for a Cleveland touchdown. That made it 35-7. Jeff Driscoll took over at quarterback and actually made things interesting. Price snaps it back. Driscoll fakes a handoff to Mixon, throws it over the middle, crossing route, caught, and Tyler Boyd runs into the end zone for a Bengals touchdown, then whips the football into the crowd after hauling in Jeff Driscoll's touchdown pass. With a big lead, Cleveland stopped throwing the ball and tried to run out the clock. Mayfield only attempted four passes in the second half and the Bengals pulled within two scores. First and goal at the two. Driscoll tries to run a quarterback sneak. Mixon shoves him from behind. The Bengals are signaling touchdown, and the officials agree. A two-yard quarterback sneak for the touchdown by Jeff Driscoll. And the Bengals have pulled within two touchdowns with 7.57 to go. Driscoll went 17 for 29 for 155 yards, one touchdown, and a passer rating of 84.7. We scored some points there and, uh,
2: you know, got some momentum going. And, you know, I think everybody on our sideline thought that we were going to get it done.
0: The Bengals had two more chances. They drove to the Cleveland 12-yard line before a false start, turned 3rd-and-3 into 3rd-and-8. Two plays later, Driscoll threw an incomplete pass to Auden Tate on fourth down to end the drive. Then on the Bengals' final drive, Driscoll threw a 46 yard pass to Tyler Boyd that would have given the Bengals a first down at the four yard line with a minute and a half to go. But it was wiped out by an illegal shift penalty that basically ended the threat. Here's Driscoll.
2: We just came up short, and, um, you know, that was unfortunate there at the end, the the way that it finished. But, um, you know, it was. It was uh, it was good to to give our give our team a chance when when I came in there and uh, obviously got a lot of things to clean up and um, you know that'll that'll come come down the road but you know I'm just happy the way that I competed out there and gave us a chance.
0: The final score, 35 to 20, to end two significant losing streaks for the Browns: a seven-game head-to-head losing streak against the Bengals and a 25-game road losing streak, allowing Cleveland to avoid tying. The Detroit Lions all-time NFL record. The Bengals, on the other hand, have dropped three straight and five out of six after a four-and-one start. Here are Tyler Boyd and Jesse Bates on where they go from here.
1: I hate losing. You know, I'm a very competitive guy and uh, coming back in after a game like that, you know, I'm hurt about, you know, but in the end of the day, I'm gonna continue to play. I'm never gonna stop playing. I'm gonna give it all no matter what the scoreboard say and I'm going to just, just, just continue to try to do whatever I can to, to make plays. You guys see the talent that we have in this room and you know the injuries that we have. Hopefully we can get those guys back and um, get them healthy. So
0: um, we got five games left, and we're going to see what we're about. The Browns have had 10 straight losing seasons and are still below 500 this year at 4-6-1. But that didn't stop them from doing some serious trash-talking this week. Prior to the game, safety Demarius Randall said the following, quote, if they don't have A.J. Green, they're getting their blanks beat. He threw a log on the fire during the game when he intercepted a pass, ran over to the Bengals sideline, and handed the football to Hugh Jackson. Then, after the game, Baker Mayfield had some interesting things to say about his former head coach. It looked like you had a, a very brief encounter. I saw before the game, and then again after the game with with Hugh Jackson. Did he? have a chance to say anything to you? If so, maybe what did he say, and what was that like?
3: Uh, he said, good job, good game. Um, yeah, that was brief. I Didn't feel like talking. You or him? Me.
0: Why not? Why not?
3: I don't know. I left Cleveland, goes down to Cincinnati. I don't know. It's just somebody that was in our locker room asking for us to play for him, and then goes to a different team. We play twice a year. Everybody can have their spin on it, but that's how I feel.
1: So you have a, a little bit of a bad taste
3: in your mouth? No, that. I mean, it's just like any rivalry game. That's just how it is now. That's how I'm going to treat it every time we play them. But it's, it's nothing, you know, there's no hate. That's just how it is. That's how I'm going to treat it. And I think that's how our teams treat it too. You've always been able to find motivation and put a chip on your shoulder in, in, other, in all kinds of ways. Is, did that Now that it's over, did, did the presence of you add any of that for this game? A little bit. You know, we have a lot of guys that have history with Cincinnati. Uh, Orson Charles was playing like a maniac today. He kept saying that they're the people that cut him. So, you know, and then our QB coach, Kenny Zampese, was there for 15 years. So we have history with Cincinnati. That's what happens when you have a division rival. You play them twice a year, there's going to be that. So, um, yeah, but the best thing about that is our guys handled it well.
0: That's up for debate, but this isn't. The Browns won the game, and the winner gets to do the talking. The Bengals will see them again two days before Christmas, maybe with a few more healthy bodies. Now time to bring in my broadcast partner Dave Lapham for post-game analysis, and we begin with perhaps the biggest bright spot for the Bengals, the play of backup quarterback Jeff Driscoll. He's
2: a pro. You know, he he, uh, prepares like he's a starter, even though he realizes that he may not get that many snaps. But due to his preparation, when because of injury, and you hate for it to be that way, um, your, your starter goes down to injury. You know you have to step up and you have to be ready. And he was. And his team responded because they knew he was ready. Once they saw him making some of the throws he made and doing what he was doing and competing as hard as he was competing, they all did the same thing. He lifted the boat, you know, because it would have been easy for everybody to get their chin on their chest when Andy went down with the thumb injury. But man, he lifted him. He lifted him. I mean, he he led he led a comeback, which is significant. 13-play drive. I mean, he was doing a great job of keeping the defense off the field that was struggling. The reason their numbers was so much better in the second half is, you know, they weren't on the on the field. I mean, Cleveland ran 40 snaps in the first half. They weren't on the field for 40 snaps in the second half. I mean, Driscoll took them on multiple, you know, long extended drives. And, yeah, I mean, you got to admire a guy like him. And he's got skills, Dan. He can really throw it. He was accurate um, with his feet. And, and strength, he can extend and create plays, and you know, design quarterback runs. He can do. He can do a lot of things for you. So you know, now they get some tape on him, and it'll be a little bit different. But he had to just execute the game plan that he didn't run much of when Andy Dalton was getting ready for the Cleveland Browns. So I tip my cap to the guy because it's easy to you know talk about. Oh yeah, I'm working. I'm preparing. I'm getting ready in case I have to play. He did it. You know, in, in tough circumstances when they were getting they were getting smoked, he came in and faced the music and. Brought him back some.
0: Right now, lap. it feels like the nightmare that you can't wake up from. The blowout loss to Kansas City, the Saints. Now this game that turned out to be fairly close but was 28 nothing at one point in the second quarter.
2: Yeah, it's, it's really – it's not just losing games. It's how, you know, you're losing games in this one-in-five stretch that is the most disturbing and disappointing to, you know, fans and players, obviously, and coaches. Um, but there's nothing you can do about it except – you know, do everything you can to be positive and try to t- turn it around. I mean, if you dwell on negativity, it's just going to take you down the negativity cesspool. And that's easier said than done because all there's going to be on the outside is negativity. And, you know, you just have to really evaluate yourself. And, and it is, Dan. It's, I've never seen I've seen injuries, but I've never seen a team that has suffered more injuries, multiple injuries at multiple positions. I mean, you can survive an injury at positions two, three, four, or whatever but multiple injuries to multiple positions. I mean, one of the positions that hadn't suffered an injury was quarterback. Eh, That's not anymore. Andy Dalton, you know, we don't know the extent of that thumb injury as we speak right now, but, man, it could be extensive. I mean, it could be the end of his season potentially if he broke it. So, I mean, the quarterback position, running backs have, you know, missed games. I mean, there's there's not – offensive line has has had, you know, minor injury. You know, Billy Price missed a lot of games, but – I mean, when you only have like four guys in a position group and three of them on injury reserve like the tight ends uh, and you've been hit as hard as the linebackers have been hit and you're signing, you know, three defensive linemen basically off the street in practice squad so you can practice. I mean, you can't even give a good look. It's not just during the games. All these injuries, the, the trickle-down effect is as you prepare during the week, you don't have enough bodies to prepare properly. So, you know, it, it all it all causes issues and, and – uh, You know people can say excuses and yeah you're right i mean you can't make excuses but man these are hard cold facts of life in the national football league and the bengals are on you know an injury hex like i've never seen
0: baker mayfield threw four touchdown passes for the first time in his nfl career he's got two or more in five consecutive games he only threw four passes in the second half otherwise he could have had monster statistics in this game i mean
2: his his six quarter quarterback rating uh the Atlanta Falcon game he was 151.3 in the first half of this game he was over 150 uh, so I mean you know six quarters of, of, of play at the quarterback position by a rookie to have a quarterback rating of over 150 is extraordinary it really is I mean but there were a lot of wide open vacations or vacated areas in the in the Bengals secondary I mean it was linebacker level uh, deep level there, there were things for him to take advantage of, and he did. Um, yeah, he's, he's a smart football player. Uh, he gets the ball out of his hand quickly. He throws it straight. He puts some velocity on it. He, he's going to be around for a long time. The Cincinnati Bengals are looking at a Cleveland Brown team that's ascending because of the play of the quarterback. When you have a quarterback like that that can play at that level in this league, you know you have a chance, and they have a lot of other players. And I mean, Chubb's the real deal in the first half two of the four touchdowns that they made were incredible chubbs catch was unbelievable and joku uh made made an unbelievable play when he hurtled and then pushed forward and his team crowd surfed yeah <laughs> just pushed everything pushed into the end zone i mean that was a football team that wanted to end that streak of uh, of losing on the road and they did they the only thing i didn't like about the football game was multiple times it turned a little bit nasty and um peppers and and Randall, those guys, you know, hey, to the victor goes the spoils, but you don't have to be a jerk in in being a victor. You know, be a victor with class. Don't be a victor with jerk. You don't have to take be a jerk in victor. You don't have to take, you know, laps around the football field and um, taunting the Bengals and taunting coaches on the sideline. You know, Randall gets his interception and gives it to Hugh Jackson. You know, what are you supposed to do? Something like that. I thought Hugh showed a lot of class. I would have fired it right back in his face mask. But... Right. You know, I mean, those kind of things I think are unnecessary. You know, I understand that you had a long dry spell, but um, bottom line is show class. And uh, to me, not going to be very hard to get up in the bit to play up in Cleveland um, because some of the things that some of these guys did during the course of that football game I thought didn't show enough class.
0: Last thing, you've played on teams where, for whatever reason, things spiraled. Maybe it's injuries, which is a big factor with this team. Maybe it's something else. How do you keep grinding for the rest of the season?
2: You have to realize you're a professional. You know, it's your job. You're being paid to do it, um, and you're being paid handsomely to do it. And there's a millions of people that would love to have that job. And you have to look at it. It's not a right. It's a privilege. And, and just go out and, and do the best you can. I mean, I thought, uh, you know, Jeff Driscoll showed it. He got thrown into the fire in, in, in and in a situation where he wasn't really expecting and, and stepped up and performed. And, and you, you just can't, you can't, you, you just can't succumb to, the, to, the, to all, the, all the negativity. You know, you have to basically block it all out. It's gonna be hard though, you know, because if you look yourself in the mirror, you know, If you were involved in any of those penalties, you know you may have cost the football team a game, you know, and uh, any mistakes that were made, you you just basically have to take care of your own business, you know, rally your teammates, try to be a positive impact on your teammates, make sure you're not a negative impact, don't accelerate or continue the spiral downward, try to be, uh, don't be a reason for the spiral downward, be a reason for the turnaround and bringing it back up, you know, and... That's what that's what real pros are made out of. That's what true pros are made out of. And, you know, people are going to say, "Oh, injuries, man. Everybody has injuries." And that's very true, but 12 guys in injury reserve, multiple guys injured. You know, this week in practice, this game, it's a reason. It's a fact. I mean, you can't run and hide from facts. Correct. But it is, you know, it. You can say it's an excuse all you want, but they don't have near the football team when they were four and one. The team that they were running out in that football field is not the team that they're running out there now in this one-and-five stretch. But everybody's uh, got a roster spot for a reason. You're a professional football player. Suck it up. Players do what the coaches say. Coaches put together game plans. Players play. Coaches coach. Do your job. Turn
0: it around. Thanks, Lap. Up next, a home game against the 5-6 and Denver Broncos, who ended the Steelers' six-game winning streak this week after ending the Chargers' six-game winning streak last week. Now time for this week's Fun Facts segment, where you get to know the person under the pads. In this case, the biggest man on the current roster at 6'6", 345 pounds. Time for some fun facts with Bengals left tackle. Cordy Glenn from Riverdale, Georgia. Not too far from the Atlanta airport, from what I understand. Tell me a little bit about Riverdale. Uh, I
1: mean, that's where I'm from. It's about 15 minutes from the airport. Uh, grew up there. Um, I mean, that's where where it all started for me, I guess. What kind of stuff were you into as a kid? Uh, I was always into sports uh, in the neighborhoods, uh, YMCA, AAU, just playing sports, hanging out with my
0: friends, just regular kids stuff. Your dad, Cordy Sr., was a big-time college basketball player, an all-conference college basketball player at Louisiana Lafayette. What has he told you about his hoops career? Uh, when I was younger, he used to tell us, you know, do the
1: whole you can't beat me. Well, uh, <laughs> uh, no, nah, he told me he had a good career, man. Uh, he's really talented. I mean, that's probably where I get some of my athleticism from him and my mom's uh, pretty athletic, too. Uh, he was a good basketball player, so I started playing basketball uh, first, and then I later started playing football after that. But basketball was like my first
0: real sport. I read that he really wanted you to play basketball to help your footwork for football. Was that true?
1: (laughs) I guess so. I don't know. I play basketball. I play soccer. I mean, I play all of them. So good footwork, um, good footwork sports, I guess. You played
0: soccer? Yeah, a long, long, long time ago. Clint, Clint Bowling is looking over and saying you were the goalie. Were you, in fact, the goalie? No, I was a forward, man. I was skilled, athletic, <laughs> moving, swift. <laughs> we're doing fun facts with Cordy Glenn. Were you always the big kid in class? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Always been a big kid. One of those guys where, like, the parents from the opposing team would say, hey, I want to see his birth certificate, or he, he can't be as young as my kid. Right, yeah,
1: definitely just playing, growing up, playing basketball, it always was like that always so would be towering over them, and i would be
0: wider than them, too. You went from Riverdale to the University of Georgia. Was that a slam-dunk decision for you, being a Georgia kid, or were you, did you seriously consider some other schools?
1: Yeah, I, I like Georgia. Um, I was kind of, um, it was between Georgia and Alabama, and then I just took a visit to Georgia. I don't know, it just felt like home, so I just made the decision like, right then and there. just felt like kind of connected with everybody just naturally, and it was
0: organic, so it was the best decision for me. A lot of Bulldogs in this Bengals locker room. Did you room with A.J. Green yeah, at we're
1: Georgia? We roomed with A.J. for a little bit,
0: yeah. Describe what that was like.
1: It was cool, man. We were with some young freshmen, whatever, so it wasn't too long. I mean, we had some good times. We uh, were too quiet guys, so it wasn't, <laughs> wasn't too much talking or going on.
3: <laughs>
0: we're doing fun facts with Cordy Glenn. From Georgia, it was on to the NFL as a second-round draft pick by the Buffalo Bills. You were widely projected to go in the first round. It didn't work out that way. How tough was that first night for you?
1: I think it was tough. I mean, but I think it fueled me also. Just you know, uh, expecting to do something and then not doing it, and uh, just being disappointed. I mean, I think that's that was great motivation for me to just like you know, saying coming to the NFL with a certain anger and a certain like uh, extra drive. You already have a drive to see how you prove, your, prove yourself that you can be in the NFL, but. And have something on the top of that. That was that was good for me. I think they helped me out a lot.
0: So I'm from the Buffalo area. You worked there and lived there for six years. Weather's brutal. How did you cope with that, being a Georgia kid?
1: Uh, I think I think it was a lot. Like initially when I first got there, like just being in the south all the time and just like oh, I'm, it's like snow everywhere. All you see <laughs> is snow. But then once I, when I was, once I was there later in my career, it was kind of it was cool. I was I kind of more used to that than like being in Georgia. It's kind of crazy. Did you shovel? Did you get a snowplow? Uh, did you hire somebody? Well, I I used to shovel, and then uh, I guess I got a little spoiled, and I hired somebody to <laughs> snowplow my driveway every every other day. Uh, there's nothing
0: wrong with that in Buffalo. Trust me. Uh, how about chicken wings? Did you develop an affinity for true Buffalo chicken wings?
1: Oh uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, like Duff's Anchor Bar, they have they have some of the best wings by far. I think Anchor Bar is like a famous wing spot.
0: That's where they're supposedly invented.
1: Yeah, but uh, I know like a lot of guys lately in Buffalo went to Duff's. It's like the new spot, kind of like new flavor.
0: That's where a real Buffalonian goes, as opposed to the Anchor Bar where the tourists go. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, Cordy got traded to the Bengals in March. Did that come as a shock? Because here, there really hadn't been a lot of rumors that that might happen.
1: Yeah, I don't know how to explain it. It was a shock. I mean, it's just a lot going on when, kinda hit, when it kind of when hits you initially. Uh, but I will say I was happy. I was welcomed with open arms from day one here, and, uh, and I really appreciate that. Just you know, just feeling wanted is, is definitely like as a player something you always want, is to feel wanted and feel like you belong somewhere.
0: A few more fun facts for Cordy Glenn. Who is the funniest coach you've ever played for and what made him so funny?
1: Head coach or O-line coach? Either one. Funniest coach? Oh, it has to be Rich Ryan. It has to be Rich Ryan. Definitely. You want to know why? Yeah. I don't want to say why, though. I don't want to say why, though. <laughs> Can't make the radio? <laughs> no.
0: Fair enough. All right. You have a connection to basketball star Dwight Howard, correct?
1: I met him, like, a long, long, like, a long, long time ago. Like, probably was, like, 15 or 16 when I met him. Yeah. Did you have any inkling that, geez, this giant guy is going to be a multimillionaire someday? Uh, I know my dad was telling me about it, but I just was like, just being a kid, like, yeah, okay, <laughs> whatever. But, no, nah, it was cool to meet him, especially before he was famous and stuff like that.
0: What do you like to splurge on?
1: Hmm, what I like to splurge on? I don't know if I have something I just love to splurge on. Uh, I like watching movies. I like to just do normal, everyday things, really. Uh, go on walks, stuff like that.
0: Do you have any talents that most people don't know about?
1: Um... Uh, Signing autographs
0: while doing interviews is actually one. That's happening right now. I'm
1: really good at being quiet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is quite a skill. It doesn't come in handy for people in my profession. All right, final one. I saw an old video where you said you loved the 1998 Atlanta Falcons, a team that went to the Super Bowl, and lost to John Elway's Broncos. I was there for that game, actually. You were nine years old. How devastating was it when your beloved Falcons lost in the Super Bowl?
1: I don't know, like, I think who was a quarterback, Chandler. Uh, Chris Chandler. Yeah, yeah, Chris Chandler. I don't know if I was ever just like a, a diehard, like Falcons fan. I was kind of more of a Michael Vick fan. But, I mean, I remember. I think I remember that game. I don't know if I was up. Uh, I don't know. I probably, probably did hate it. I don't know.
0: <laughs> I can't really remember.
1: seems like so long ago. <laughs> All
0: right. I appreciate the time. Best of luck the rest of the year. Right, no problem. Thank you. And that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. If you haven't done so already, Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean and give it a rating or leave a comment. Your feedback has been awesome and five-star ratings help more Bengals fans find this podcast. I'm Dan Horde and thank you for listening to the Bengals Booth Podcast.